Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have Everett Taylor with me, who is the CMO of Artsy and who also is a very, very talented, multi-dimensional entrepreneur. So I can't wait to dig in. But first, Everett, hi, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's really excited to be connected with you again in our green outfits today. <laughs> Go green. Yeah, we are we are in it. I don't know what, if we're in it with a football team, if we're in it for the holiday. There's thousands of reasons to wear green, right? Yeah, they can't see us right now. And like, I literally wear black probably 95% of the time. And I don't know what the hell was in me today to wear green, but we're on the same wavelength. Totally. This is actually a brand new shirt. My husband got up this morning. He's like, you're wearing green. I was like, yeah, why not? So look, <laughs> we were feeling the magic vibe here. And so oh, we're here we go. Something special. <laughs> this will be our lucky color from here on out because I too wear black. Uh, my entire wardrobe, my husband says, you have lots of colors. They're all shades of black um, and because that's how I roll too. So, But we're wearing green today. So what are we going to do that's lucky? Um, we're going to talk to you and find out how you've been not just lucky, but you've been savvy in navigating your very, very cool and interesting career. But uh, before we jump into your background, which is it's just mind boggling to me. Tell us about your role right now at Artsy and why you decided to take it on. Yes. Yeah, so uh, it's interestingly enough, this is my first time uh, being in the CMO role. And uh, when I came to Artsy close to two years, the last company, Skirt, which I was CMO of, was an LA-based startup, which we were acquired successfully by Fair.com, which is which was great. And after that acquisition, you know, I had to take some time to really think about what I wanted to do. And so I went to being the head of my own company, CEO of my own company, um, as I was trying to figure things out. And I knew that in the next role that I wanted to get into, you put so much of your time, your blood, sweat, and tears into the CMO role or any job that you're in. 
I knew that the next role that I wanted to be in was something that I was genuinely passionate about, that I genuinely enjoyed. And sometimes you kind of get into this mix when you're just looking for a job, you're looking for that next CMO role and you're like, uh, dog treats? Okay, I guess, right? Because <laughs> you, you need that job. And I was in a very fortunate position where I had um, the time and resources and money to really pick what that next brand and company would be. And during that break of two years of me being just fully entrepreneurial, I had a lot of success and I also fell in love with art. It was something that I was just genuinely passionate about, democratizing the art world, making it more accessible, especially to black and brown people, people that were different um, in you know, this place that was very opaque. And so when I had the opportunity to join forces um, over with Mike, the CEO, uh, of Artsy to come run this global marketplace where, you know, we're number one in our space. And so to be a market leader um, in this online space is just amazing to get this opportunity. And I'm still in a space where I'm still learning and I'm learning something new every day. So I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to be working in an industry that uh, still needs so much change and, and still much, you know, progress and uh, love the strides that we're making. And I love the team that I'm working with and love the product that I'm working on. So I'm here. Well, I gotta tell you, I have your website open behind me and it keeps flashing these new designs and um, it's so colorful, it's so awesome. It, it really feels vibrant and it's a beautiful site. Um, I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And you know, we're, we're really very much so, you know, focusing on uh, the mobile experience, but we understand how important that desktop experience is, especially um, with people seeing our brand for the first time. And, you know, what's even more great is how much more personalized that experience will get over time. And, uh, you know, that's where we're really trying to hang, hang our hats on at Artsy is really creating the art experience for you you know, and because everyone's taste is so eclectic and they're into so many different things. And, you know, you probably, you know, your taste in art is going to be different than my taste. And so that's really important to build a brand that really uh, delves into someone's personal taste. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of a conversation I had with a good friend of mine who used to be the head of data science at Pandora, where you're kind of in that same space where you, you want to offer up content that and I have to laugh because he's a data scientist and he's telling me about, you know, data could either be nutritious or delicious. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. <laughs> so the, 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 the delicious part is what people just already like. Right. But the nutritious right. part is helping them expand their horizons a bit and peppering in new things that they wouldn't have necessarily looked for on their own. Um, are you thinking through that with this site as well? Absolutely. I mean, we have, um, and a really amazing team. Um, our SVP of engineering and product actually came from leading engineering teams at Spotify and Instagram. And so he understands, you know, that side of personalization and how to really serve the consumer. And so it's been really great to nerd out with him, as well as our new VP of product, Marisa, who has tons of experience in the luxury marketplace space. And uh, yeah, we understand that's really what's going to take Artsy to the next level is continuing to build those really amazing personalized experiences and helping people discover and expand their interests and their taste. And, you know, the art world is, is pretty intimidating for a lot of people. And so we understand if we build a product for the people that already understand it, 
we're also building a product too from a personalization standpoint for people that may not know what the hell they're doing. So that's that's what's really exciting for me is not just serving the people that are already in this space, but creating this new class of people. Like, I mean, this year, we, 60% of our people that are buying in e-commerce at Artsy are new, are new art buyers during a pandemic, you know? So it's been really amazing to see that. Well, it's, I have to chuckle a little bit because we had our collaboration team meeting last week that you joined <laughs> us on brand versus performance and how to keep the top of the funnel filled. It sounds like that's not a problem for you, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's all of our numbers have been just, it's been so amazing. Like our e-commerce sales are up 200%. Our marketplace sessions are up 60%. It's like when you look at the numbers, it's really been mind boggling and we've been doing a great job, but it's like, how do we get more out of all those people that are coming in top of funnel. And that's really my core focus is like, once you're able to do that, once you're able to get so much more value, you know, your paid marketing spend starts to become limitless, the more value you're able to eke out of the customers that you're getting in top of funnel. And so that's really where I'm focused on. It's like, you know, we're continuing to build a cool brand and yes, we have a freaking cool brand and I'm proud of our brand, but also it's like, Hey, we got to do some of the, you know, rolling up our sleeves and like a little bit of the dirty work. That's really going to take us to that next level. Well, I, I want to continue digging in on this because I know there's a lot of marketers out there wondering how you do it all, but I have to ask this question right now. Okay, do it. <laughs> <laughs> when you were 17 years old, did you ever think you'd be here talking about top of the funnel? You know, no, not at all. I was lucky because I got my first job in marketing when I was 14 years old, but I never pictured myself doing marketing. Honestly, I got in trouble because I was caught doing things I wasn't supposed to out on the streets. Um, and, you know, a lot of the men in my family um, were locked up for doing the wrong things in the streets, but not feeling that you had a lot of options and, you know, I, I saw people and I and I always wondered why I didn't have this and didn't have that. Like being poor and being in that state of just wanting more for yourself, wanting more for your family will take you to doing things that you never imagined that you would do. And my mom, you know, God bless her heart, she did not want me to end up like my uncles or other, you know, friends that I've had um, that have end up, ended up in jail or dead. And I was able to get my first marketing job at 14, but you know, it's something that I didn't think that I would ever do. And at 17, I was actually homeless. I was living out of a car that didn't work in Richmond and it's, it's cold in Richmond. You know, I just moved from Los Angeles to New York, but man, it gets really cold in, in, in Richmond, Virginia. And um, you know, I was doing whatever I had to do to survive. But interestingly enough, in hindsight, I developed so much emotional intelligence and so many skills to be able to relate to all different types of people through those experiences being on the streets and being homeless and just seeing that different side, you know? And I've been blessed in my career to see people and be in rooms with people who are billionaires in the art world. You got billionaires and millionaires and also be with people that have nothing. And you understand that at the core, Marketing is all about fulfilling what people want and need, you know, like, like fulfilling these core things within people. Products differ, services differ, but it's really tapping into human emotion, right? 
and really serving them. And so I'm grateful for that, but I've never in a million years thought I would be here today and being here with you, the chief CCO at Adweek, chief community officer at Adweek. This is crazy to me. Like this is, every day is a dream for me. Every day, I wasn't supposed to be here. You know, I see LeBron say that all the time. He's like, you know, there's nothing that anyone negatively can say about me because I've already made it. I've already done so much more than I ever imagined. And that's, I feel so fortunate every day. I was so excited today to be speak with you. You know, <laughs> this is this is this is a dream to me. This is this is every day is just a new journey, a new adventure for me. So I'm I'm just really appreciative. Well, thank you. I'm blushing over here, but to, to be honest, I when I said to be here today, it wasn't to be with me. It was talking about the top of the marketing funnel. Like that's the language that takes decades to build, and you did it, and you did it. Starting from, like you said, you had a marketing job at 14 years old. You found yourself hopeless at 17. So how did you do that? How did you build this gigantic toolkit of skills that has taken you to the CMO seat? Yeah. So to me, I, uh, the internet, honestly, the internet, (laughs) I swear the internet can get you a degree in anything you want almost and internet marketing. I, I, I was very lucky to be at the cusp of really like, internet marketing really taking off. And, um, you know, I just wanted to learn. I was so ambitious. I wanted to eat up all the information that I could. I, I was like, in my classes that in college, I was like, what is this? This isn't, this isn't what I'm seeing out there that's developing the startup space in the real world. And I, and I challenged myself to learn those things. And I built my first company at 19. And, and that was like my place. I tell marketers all the time, like one of the best things to do is just start your own small business and experiment, right? Experiment mm-hmm. with paid acquisition, experiment with email marketing, like you know, sharpen those tools that you can already have a portfolio of things that you've already proven that you can do. And I did that with my first company and I was able to successfully sell that a couple years later. That experience really helped me develop. And then, you know, a couple years later, I linked up with Sean Ellis, um, who coined the term growth hacking. So he's like the messiah there. And he really guided me and helped me learn a lot of the online digital marketing skills, acquisition skills. Morgan Brown, who's now, who I also worked alongside with at that company, is now the VP of growth at Shopify. You know, these these guys were really great mentors for me. And then just having that hunger to continuously learn things myself. And we co-founded growthhackers.com together, which became the number one online community for growth marketing. And so I got to connect with so many growth marketers and it was my job to consume marketing content and, 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 and really be a part of that community. And you probably can say this too, just you know, in your role at Adweek, like you're learning constantly, right? And finding new things. And so that helped me build. And then also just taking the risk of like, hey, I want to go lead marketing for this company. I want to start this company. And I'm just going to learn, you know, trial by fire is really how I sharpened those tools. Yeah, I, I think you said it so well, you know, when you're surrounded by really smart people, it's hard not to get excited and motivated to want to go and learn more. And I face that same problem every day because I talk to so many incredible marketers. And what's really difficult about marketing is that it is so different. I mean, it's not like finance where there's a specific trade. I mean, this is as much art as it is science. And I know we say that all the time, but you have to have both sides um, to really do it well. 
So that's amazing. And congratulations on your early success. You, you not only did it once, but you've done it several times now. You're a serial entrepreneur, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's something that, you know, I'm always coming up with new ideas and things that, you know, I'm passionate about or, or want to, to chase. And, you know, I've been lucky in my career to actually be able to, you know, manifest those things and actually act on them. I say all the time that, you know, for a lot of things, whether you're trying to be an entrepreneur or you're trying to pursue a marketing career, for most people, they have dreams and ideas. Most people just don't go after them, you know, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome, especially women and people of color and, and people that come from different backgrounds. Um, you know, that's something that they struggle with. And I've never let that stop me from chasing myself. The painting that's right behind me is actually called Relentless. And, and, and it's inspired by someone who told me one time that my, my best trait was my relentlessness. Like, I will just, I will go at it. I have the chief, you know, optimal confidence in myself always. I love that. The chief optimal confidence. I, that might be your headline of your podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just made that up on the fly. <laughs> I love it. It's great. It's great. See, you're a great marketer. You make shit up all the time. Um, <laughs> so relentlessness. Um, here's the funny story. You and I spoke about this last week. I had forgotten that I had met you like four years ago on Twitter and it just dawned on me like, holy shit. Cause we've been talking on LinkedIn and you have a very different profile on LinkedIn than you do on Twitter. And then I remembered like, we got into something like four years ago where I was like, who is this guy? And then I was like, wow, he's really impressive. I mean, you have an enormous amount of followers on Twitter too. Might I say 250,000 people are following you. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there's got to be a reason. I used to be a lot. I used to be a lot more active on Twitter, but I've, <laughs> I've chilled out a lot more these days. Uh huh. Well, yeah. I'm, well, we're gonna have to tweet out this podcast. Is what we're gonna have to do. Oh, but I got um, you. yeah, there we go. But but what what happened there? I mean, just in all of your cool businesses that you designed and launched, like all these people just started following you. Like, what happened? Yeah, I mean, it was really really interesting. It was. You know, my first company was actually an event company. It's called Easy Events. And so that's how I got my first kind of following because I was throwing these all these cool different events. And then later in my career, the first like kind of major following came from Growth Hackers. You know, we we grew to like 2 million users wow. on Growth Hackers. And so we grew this huge marketing community. And so, you know, me being kind of the face with Sean Ellis of this community started to attract all of these new people to me. And, you know, I was always super low key still at the same time. I, I've never been that type of person that, um, and you've seen me in person. We saw each other earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I'm very in the corner. I'm not like a all eyes on me, attention on me. And people assume because of social media, they're like, oh, you must be extroverted and just very like out there. And I'm just very chill, laid back. But you know, one of the things that I had always shied away from was press and PR and attention on myself. And there was this kid named Sonny that went to Virginia Tech, the school that I dropped out of. I'm a, a college dropout for those who <laughs> don't know already. Um, and he said, hey, you know, you, you sold this company. You led this other company to get acquired as, as head of marketing. You know, you're CMO of a company now. 
and I noticed that you don't have any press or anything about you. And I would just love to write about you. It was like a small little blog. But at that time, I had already grew like maybe like 30, 40,000 people on Twitter. And so he wrote about me and then I put it out there. And then other people were like, wait, what? You were homeless? Wait, what? You know, you've done this. And then it was just like this echo. Like, it's just like all these people wanted to write about me. And, you know, this thing came and that thing came and Forbes and, you know, this speaking engagement. And I think I tapped into something, especially within a certain group of people the underdogs, the people that aren't supposed to be here, the people that don't fit into a certain model of what is expected. You know, I was in a space in Silicon, Silicon Valley in the tech world where there wasn't really people that looked like me, you know? Like I didn't have a Stanford MBA. I didn't go to boarding school. You know, I came from the hood. I came from the, you know, I got it out the mud as we say in Virginia, you know? I, I, I did whatever I had to and hustled and did whatever I had to to get to where I am. And, you know, I may be, I may be a little bit more unorthodox. You know, I listen to rap, you know, I like streetwear, you know, I, you know I'm gonna wear my hair a certain way. I was just so uniquely myself. And I think I attracted an audience of people that felt like, wow, this person represents somebody that is true to himself. And I think that really resonated with people and my story resonated with people and it just continued to grow over time. And I've been very blessed and, and humbled to see that happen. And it's a, it's a huge responsibility. And sometimes it, it weighs on you, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. Well, you know, I can totally see that all being true, but I would say that the unique point on you is how dang humble you are, you're, you're a heck of a nice guy too. Um, so, you know, every interaction I've had with you has just been a wonderful experience. I mean, you just make people feel very comfortable and you're very just open and, and I love that about you. (laughs) You make it very easy, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting the perception that people have of you and then when they meet you and you know being successful or achieving success doesn't make you an a-hole you know it doesn't mm-hmm. make you this cocky person and I'm I've always been this person that understood that like if I was the smartest person in the room I probably shouldn't be there um, mm-hmm. that I have so much to learn when I took this role at artsy I was 30 years old you know a 30 year old CMO I'm the only black executive at the company, the youngest executive by far. And, you know, I knew that I was going there not only to make an impact, but also I still had a shit ton to learn. And that's why I love my CEO. And that relationship between the CMO CEO is so important, obviously, but like, he really took that chance and also is investing in me. And that means the world to me because I'm an avid learner. I'm constantly trying to get better. And you can't as a CMO in a space that's constantly changing, like the marketing world, advertising is constantly changing. You have that mentality of not having that thirst for, for, for learning. You're really going to fall by the wayside. And we've seen some CMOs that, you know, couldn't keep up with how fast things are moving. And, um, you know, I, I just, I just feel very just blessed, honestly, to be in a position that I'm in. Well, you know, it's interesting. You, you said to me last week, and I wanted to hold my question until today because I want to ask you this now. Um, But I love how you said to me, 
My CEO admittedly took a risk on me because you, you were only 30 years old when you got the CMO role. That's a big deal. But he took a risk and, and you have a great relationship with him and it's paying out. What, what do you think he'd say about you now? I think that he would say that he was right about all the things that he believed in. And he was also right on the things that I need to work on. Right. And I'm, I'm humble about that. I know that I bring a lot to the table, but I also know that there's so much that I need to improve on as a CMO, as a leader. And, you know, I proved him right that I came in and I made an impact. You know, and I'm turning this thing around and, and doing some amazing things, but also that, hey, like still a lot, some growing pains there. And, and I just appreciate that patience and, and that he knows that I think he would say that he made the right decision and made the right investment and it's paying, you know, it's paying off. And um, I appreciate him for that. But like I said, like I, I don't come on here. Sometimes you see people come on to interviews and they act, you know, so God almighty, like they are perfect, like there is no perfect marketer. Like we're going to fuck up. Like things are going to happen. You know, um, there was something I did last, like a week or two ago, I dropped the ball on and I was like, I texted and I was like, that'll never happen again. Right. Like that's just part of the process. Like you're going to make mistakes. And, but the thing about me is I learn from my mistakes and I learn fast and I yeah. improve fast. And that's, that's what it's all about. I love that. I love that. And I, I can't help but think of so many experiences that I've been through as well, where you you fail, but you fail forward. And, and if you can't fail forward, then you will fail behind. And so I don't know if you, if you want to share this, but I'm going to ask you anyways, because I really do find it incredibly rewarding to be talking with you right now about knowing that there are still things to learn and knowing that there's still opportunities to develop. If somebody was sort of in your stage right now where they're given a big opportunity, like you've been able to take and seize and deliver on successfully, what advice would you give them? What are some of the things that they may not have been thinking about that they should really look into? So I think one mistake that a lot of young marketers specifically make is that they think that being the best marketer makes you the best CMO. It's not true. It's not true. You, you are a great CMO if there's someone on your team that's better at something than you in every aspect of marketing. That's a great CMO. That's like talent, recruitment, development of talent, the humility to know that there's someone that's um, you know, an expert at something that is better than you and, 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 and putting that faith in people. And so um, I used to think that, you know, being a CMO meant that you were the best at all these things. And that's not the case. There's so much else that goes into being a leader, so many intangibles, so many cross-functional expectations that you have. And just know that at that level, it almost becomes less about marketing crazy, right? Like it's, it's less about marketing is about everything else. And that's the advice that I would give people is to, to understand that it's not about being the best at a sp- particular skill set, but being the best leader, right? Oh and yeah. Really instilling confidence 
and really instilling great culture and bringing diversity and being able to work and function well within a matrix organization and a bigger organization. These are the things that, you know, you just have to learn, you know, you can't, you can't read about this on the internet, like the way I can read about how to do Facebook ads. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I always um, remind people there are 400,000 plus books not kidding. You can count them um, on leadership out there and not a single one of them seems to do the trick because there's always so much more to learn and different mm-hmm. tactics. Leadership has got to be probably one of the most difficult skills there is to learn on the planet. It is, it is tough. It is, is, it's extremely tough. There's a lot of politics that goes along with it. There's a lot of egos and managing egos and managing, managing your own ego. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's tough. And it's something that I'm working towards every single day, but I'll say this, I'm in it for the right reasons. And I care about my team. I care about my brand and my company. And I just want to do right by my people and my customers. And I think if you have that mentality, that if you're genuinely doing it and have that type of selflessness, things will work out. You just have to continue to stay humble and have that mindset. Yeah, great advice. And, and you mentioned also too, that the importance of mental health in the C-suite. Right. What, what did you mean by that? Yeah, so you know, one of the things that I don't think people talk about enough or, or consider enough is that especially at the CMO role, like, you know, we joke in the marketing world is like, you know, when things go right, someone else gets credit. When things go wrong, it's marketing's fault, you know? <laughs> um, and there's so much pressure that like, let's, let's be real. Like CMOs have the shortest tenure within the seat suite. We, we, we know what it is and um, that's tough. There's a lot of huge expectations on you. And there's a lot of things that are out of your control. Like sometimes, you know, you don't have control of the product or the service and things like that. Um, and it can, it can be really, really tough. And the expectations of a CEO can be overwhelming at times. And that can really weigh on you, especially like think about you doing that, but also being a mother and, uh, or a husband or, you know, having other responsibilities and like trying to manage and juggle all of that. If you're not right mentally and emotionally, you're going to, you're going to start to crumble and it's going to start to affect your work. It's going to start to affect your happiness. And I've realized that I've done my best work. I've been my most creative when I'm in a good positive space, right? And so I think it's so important for C-level execs and just employees in general within a company to really invest in their mental health because it's gonna take you so much further. And I just wish there was more emphasis on that because, yo, this is hard. And you know, it's so funny being, a, being in a CMO position, you're like, you're a leader. And so you have, you feel this need to like be perfect and look like, nothing bad happens to you. But I think humanizing yourself, especially to your team, like, hey, I had a rough week last week. Hey, I was sick, that kicked my ass, right? Like, man, like we didn't do well on this, but you know what, we're gonna come together and acknowledge that, you know? It's just like humanizing yourself is so, so important um, in that. And I think trying to live up to this perfect image really weighs on that mental health. Absolutely. 
And I know I'm just totally like talking your ear off, but I'm so just interested in your point of view. So I've got a couple more questions for you if, you, if you, you'll humor me. Oh, no, I love it. Okay, cool. So what's one thing that you do to help yourself with mental health, mental stability, mental evenness, however you want to describe it? Yeah, well, number one, having a kick-ass therapist. I can't tell you how much that's been helpful. And, you know, in the Black Black community, um, you know, mental health is something that is difficult. I grew up in a neighborhood where, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, you know, like, get up, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, nothing's wrong, you're good, don't worry about it. You know, mental health wasn't really a thing. And um, I've always, I always had that mentality when I was younger that I just had to push through. You know, I got to put yeah. food on the table. I got to figure things out. I got bills to pay, no excuses. And, um, you know, it wasn't until later in life and I had very traumatic situation. I had a traumatic situation happen this year and, you know, it really taught me how important mental health really is. And like having a therapist was a game changer to talk to weekly, but then also investing your time into the things that you love, like, art. I love going, you know, I said, you said what I did this weekend. I went gallery hopping, like, you know, being able to play basketball again or watching comedy, taking naps, like getting massage, like those things really investing into the things that genuinely make you happy um, is important. And also work on something you're passionate about. Life is too short, guys. Like if you're not into dogs selling dog treats, go somewhere else, like pursue something else. Like life's too short and yeah. you really should be working on something that you love. That is great advice. And did you mention dogs? Cause you could hear mine in the background. She's like, <laughs> she's starting to snore a little bit. That's not me. It's her. So. <laughs> and, and, nothing, and nothing against anyone that's a CMO of a dog treat company. Like I'm sure you love animals so much, but like, you know, I think it's really about, you know, working on the things that you're really passionate about. And, and work is just a huge part of that. Yeah. Well, that is great advice. We're too busy. And this COVID time period has been brutal for everyone. It's the always on mentality. So what is something that you do with your team to help alleviate this crazy pressure of this year? Yeah, I think number one is force people to take vacation and take days off. Like, don't take no for an answer. Even if they don't have anything or anywhere to go, just give them that break. Allow them to unplug. Like, one of the things that's so important as a leader is being able to identify burnout, to mm -hmm. identify when people aren't right. And sometimes the signs are so subtle, but you have to have that communication and do that. And I think Artsy has this an amazing culture um, of you know, making sure that people are taking time for themselves, you know, and I, I think that's something that's been so, so helpful, um, you know, for us is just mm -hmm. that flexibility and allowing people to take the time that they need. You need a mental health day, take it, you know, you need just, you're burnt out, take some time. I think that has been great for us. Okay. Holy cow. I've eaten up all this time with all my questions before I ask you my last question. Okay. Anything really passionate in your mind that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, well, a couple things on the artsy front that I'm, I'm extremely excited about 
is um, both happening on the 28th of this month. Um, one is um, a black owned gallery community that we're launching on Artsy that I'm really excited about. So you guys are getting the exclusive here where we're gonna have black owned galleries globally uh, coming together and highlighting them and their artists. Um, one thing you may not know about the art world is that, you know, black owned galleries face challenges that a lot of galleries, I mean, black people <laughs> face challenges that most people don't, don't face, but especially within the art world and like really putting, you know, our money where our mouth is and, and really helping these black owned galleries be successful on our platform. So we have a whole marketing campaign going on about this and I'm so, so excited um, for them and, and, and to give that platform to them. So I wanted to plug that. And the second thing was um, I'm launching a national, I'm, I, it's not me, this is my team. And I, I will not take credit for this because we have amazing people. We got this guy, Alex Forbes, um, who is amazing. Um, Megan Feehan, who's my art director. Like these, these guys are so awesome. Honestly, I swear. I just want to shout out my team. Like <laughs> go for this, it. <laughs> this, this, this team is so kick-ass. Nadine, like I, I'm just so blessed to have them. We're, we're launching uh, this national campaign for first responders. So you're going to see nationally that we're, we're teaming up with this artist, Aya Brown, and you'll see these artworks of different first responders all over New York and all over the nation um, celebrating our first responders doing this incredible, you know, terrible time um, for our country, but mm -hmm. something that we want to do to celebrate them and bring art into people's lives, but also celebrate them. And so I think it's really, you know, one of the things we talked about is being, you know, uh, a genuine brand over a performative brand and like actually doing these things and continuing to do these things um, is, is, is extremely important to me. Um, and honestly, other than that, I just want to say thank you. This is, this has been amazing. So I'm ready for this, uh, last question. All right. Well, first of all, congrats on the, the two upcoming campaigns. They're both super important and, um, very, very near and dear to my heart. And a lot of the folks at Adweek, especially the first campaign, our DEI council is really focused on providing opportunity and ensuring that we can help drive systemic change. And so love to chat with you about that more after this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'll tell you about sports unite. So we'll come back. We'll, we'll have that conversation offline because <laughs> I ate up all our time here. Um, <laughs> but my last question to you is if money and talent were of no object and you could be doing anything in the world right now, except what you're doing right now, what would you do? I have this idea for a company called 2044. And I don't know why I like that number 2044, but you know, when artsy is done and you know, we go public and everyone makes a bunch of money and we change the art world, I really, really, really want to solve homelessness. I think it's just something that is, shouldn't even exist. And I would love to do that before the year 2044. And so I just, I see the number all the time. So one of the weird things about me is that like most Americans have their clock, you know, you know, goes up to 12. I have like European time. Like, so I'll see 2044. I see the number constantly. And um, it's just something that I'm genuinely passionate about. Like 
I'm just so mission driven. And that's what's so great about being at RT right now. It's, it's, it's very mission driven for me to, to democratize the art world and, and open that space up to so many different people. And then, you know, once I'm done here, I really, I really, really would love to solve homelessness here and globally. My head is spinning because be careful what you put out there. It sounds like whenever you visualize things, they come true. And Jeff Bezos, if you're hearing this, you know, <laughs> like 25 billion. Let's, let's make this happen. Let's make this happen. Well, I, I may may not be able to help you with a $25 billion check, but I can <laughs> I can help you by asking people who are interested in supporting your mission to do something. Um, should they go follow you on Twitter? Should they connect with you on LinkedIn? What's your preferred communication tool? Yeah, connect with me anywhere. I'm just at Everett on Instagram, just my name, E on the end. Don't forget okay. it. Uh, Twitter, you know, everywhere. Um, and then, you know, um, Everett Taylor on LinkedIn, wherever you want to connect with me, it's it's cool. Like, especially if you're passionate about this, it's just, I've seen what it's like to be homeless. And then I've also lived in downtown LA where we have so many homeless. Um, in New York, we have so many homeless. It's just something that shouldn't exist, guys. And we we need to do something about it. So hit me up. I'm sure a lot of people will hit you up. Who knows? Maybe you should um, get a website going. 2044. 2044. Let's get do some it. intake forms. I think you know, like, you're marketing, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know a, a thing or two. I'm sure you do. Well, Everett, it's been awesome having you on the show with me today. Thank you so so much for being here. Thank you so much. Until next time. Until next time. Ciao. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.